This is Tectonic, a weekly talk show revolving around the seismic shifts in technology culture and the digital age. This is episode four. I am Joe Darnell, and joining me this evening is my friend and past affiliate, Mr. Jacob Lamont. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, you were originally going to be one of my regular co-hosts. I was, and then yeah. I bowed out on you. And the reason that we are graced with your presence tonight is because you're awesome. And my regular co-host came down with a bad uh, case of a temperature, and he got practically no sleep last night, so I thought I should let him off the hook. You were his backup. You were just the obvious shoe and I mentioned you on episode one, and I'm glad you could join me tonight. I've always loved shoes, so I'm glad to fill one. Good, good. You can fill your own. And as long as you show up on the podcast, I'm happy about that. <laughs> Jacob, you're you're something of a developer, right? You're working on some programming. You've dabbled with this and that for like the startup community. Uh, that's correct. Well, more recently for the startup community, my current employer is Quiet Time, and they are a startup that allows companies to monitor the noise levels of their buildings. So hospitals and hotels are some of our primary clients, but we were finding new verticals, as they say in the business world, for a lot of different markets as well. You need to reach out to the family household market. And when you install your equipment and it's always like maxing out and, you know, the red lights come on, the sirens are on like, oh, the children are, yep, yep, yep. They're here and they're playing. The children are still alive. <laughs> that could be a really handy parenting technique. <laughs> I I don't know if I'm in the basement and the children are quiet, then that's when the alarm sounds. Well, see, that's what I hear. I'll, we just have to tweak the algorithm a little to change when you get alerted. So that could work. <laughs> now, the reason I know you and our, our co-host knows you for other reasons. Um, I worked with you a few years ago at one organization and then at another in web development as a graphic designer, you as a developer, and we would work alongside of each other building websites those were the good old days. I'm not too sad that they're gone, <laughs> but that wasn't your fault. I'm just glad that we moved on to better things besides web development. <laughs> it's it's always fun when you can wrap up projects. And yes, it the new challenge is also really good. So Jacob, as long as you're okay with it, I'll have you back every now and then whenever my regular co-host, you know, isn't alive and well. If there's any like rumors that the listeners didn't like Joshua and they, they offed him, I'll, I'll bring you in uh, full time. <laughs> I, I certainly hope that doesn't happen, but I'd be honored to fill in, in in cases like these in the future. Yeah, me neither. I'm sorry. I didn't, <laughs> make, I didn't mean to take the show in the morbid direction. It's late <laughs> at night. I, uh, we had about an hour's worth of technical difficulties, actually about two hours, counting yours and our guests. So in the meantime, I've been uh, drinking a Sam Adams, and I may have just had a little bit too much. Uh, see, it's supposed, to, it's supposed to make you cheerful, not cranky. <laughs> I, well, I'm not going to get cranky. I just might get strange. <laughs> well, see, I'm always in that position, so so there's nothing that anything I consume will change. Why don't you introduce our guest for us tonight? Well, that would be an honor. Our guest tonight is Jonathan Sampson. Jonathan currently works for Microsoft, and I'll let him tell you more about that. But I know Jonathan because I had the honor of working with and under him at the place where we were doing web development. Exactly. Liberty Alliance. He was my mentor when I became an intern there. And then he, he abandoned me as far as uh, being a coworker, but he has graciously <laughs> stayed on as my mentor ever since. So he's a good friend and 
a solid professional. So it's been great talking about him like he's not here. <laughs> I know, I know. Now we're going to clue the audience in. Yes, Jonathan is right here. Oh, Jonathan. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> you know, given the, the technical issues, I could very well not be here. <laughs> That's <laughs> or true. I could be. At least I didn't start saying things about, you know, how, how wonderful it was to know him. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting morbid again. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jonathan... Jacob and I have clarified that we're in love with you. We think you're just the greatest, even if you work for Microsoft. I'm, d- I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's nice to talk with you, old friend. You know, we got to see you a few weeks ago. You paid us a visit down here in the Deep South, and that was great. I'm glad you could come down. Yeah. It's just like old times. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, we, we finally, after being up here about a year, we got an opportunity to take a small vacation. So we decided, well... Where would anyone go if they have a month off of work? And we decided Hiram, Georgia is where we would go. Boom. We went to vacate the, <laughs> there to Hiram and hang out inside Buffalo Wild Wings and, uh, you know, have pancakes and everything with good old friends. Yeah. And if you don't know people, Hiram is Vegas in the South. Oh, of course. So. Yeah. <laughs> Way back when you got your start in web development, but I think before that you were already pretty techy. I like to let the people know a little bit more about our guests and what led to getting you into Microsoft. You want to speak on that? Give people the uh, three easy steps to go from complete computer technology muggle to working for Microsoft. Sure, sure. Well, just, a, I guess, a bit of a spoiler. This took 20 years. Um, but let me go back to the beginning. I wasn't particularly technical uh, until I was maybe... 15 or 16 years old is when I got my very first computer. So I would go to a friend's house. I would walk to school every morning. And on the way to school, I would stop at a friend's house. And, and he had gotten a computer. And they had this game, Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2. It was a Star Wars game from LucasArts. And it was the coolest thing ever. You could run around with lightsabers and, and do force powers and use uh, awesome weapons and stuff. And I really wanted to get this game. And so I told my mother, you know, it's I'm high school. I kind of need to get a computer for homework and stuff. And, you know, my mother, bless her heart, took just about every dollar she had and, and bought us a computer from the local Walmart. And uh, at the same time, bought us a couple video games and stuff like that. And then I had a friend of mine burn me a copy of this, you know, Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2. I've, I've since purchased it two or three times, <laughs> but I had to get this game. And so... You know, I got this, and it was uh, it was at the same time I was uh, you know being introduced to the internet. I still remember the first time someone was telling me you know about what modems are, and I wasn't quite sure if my computer had a modem, whatever this was. And and uh, the game was really neat. The way the game was developed was uh, it was it was a semi open platform. So there was this scripting language called CogScript, and there were just plain text files on the CD. You could open up the CD file, open up Notepad or something, and open up these COG files and look at the source code of them. The way the game would work is whenever you'd fire up the executable, it would first look to see if the local file system had these files. And if it didn't, it would go to the CD and load them from there. So you could make copies of these files, put them on your file system, open them up, and make changes to them. And so I started realizing that if I made changes to these files, switched some references to 3D objects around, I could drastically uh, modify the way the game would play. It was probably the, the first experience I really ever had doing any type of programming, but it was kind of the, the, the introduction to this world for me around the age of 15 or 16. 
I always thought that that had to be your story. I never heard your story, but it, it makes perfect sense. Somehow I just always knew. Yeah, it all, all goes back to Star Wars. And you're the, not the first that says it all goes back to Star Wars or to computer games, video games and the like. My story is it has to do with Mega Man on a classic Game Boy. Oh, yeah. And another guest of ours was saying how it goes back to Super Mario Brothers. There's a corollary here. This should have been called um, Video Game Tonic. <laughs> I, I don't know if there, we're going to see more of that trend. Uh, may, maybe, maybe not. Uh, we All these years later, basically, you just kept up dabbling with programming over the years, and you, you explored this and that, checked out what system files do, and took apart an app or two and put it back together, and then <laughs> you started dabbling with the web. What'd you do? Yeah, this was – so you know, immediately there at the same time, when I first got you know, a computer – I got that game. We got the internet. Of course, you had to pay for the you know per minute on the internet, um, yeah. and so I couldn't spend much time on there. But uh, you know, quickly went to the Microsoft Gaming Zone, and then it was there I discovered you know guilds and clans and stuff. And people were saying, "Oh, if you're going to play this game, you really need to be in a guild or a clan." <laughs> these are people who practice together and stuff like that. And so they had these things called web pages, and I, I you know heard that. You could write some special code and it would build a web page. And I had a friend of mine in school who um, who said that he knew this code. And so I asked him, I was like, you know, if I give you $20, can you give me the code? And uh, I'm thinking in my head, like, this is some type of series of keystrokes I put into the computer when it's turning on. And then, you know, out pops a web page somehow magically. And I none of it made any sense. And so... You know, I, I went to school to try and learn this stuff. Um, I, I dropped out of college my first year, wound up uh, just going straight into the industry and just did a bunch of really small roles. You know, first started out just doing graphic design, Photoshop, working for nonprofits, small companies like that. And, you know, was in a comfortable place where I didn't have high demands or expectations. I was not getting paid very much, but I had the, the convenience and the comfort to just learn over the period of about, you know, seven or eight years this whole web development industry. You know, eventually I run into you two gentlemen, you know, there in Georgia and develop uh, great friendships. And at least in the case with uh, Jacob, a mentorship opportunity where I get to kind of pass on a little bit of uh, knowledge that uh, I acquired over the years. Yep. You met us and then everything made sense. Yes. It, it all was, you know, engineered from the start for this, this pinnacle <laughs> moment to meet Joe and Jacob. The force was in it. The force had awoken. The alliteration was intentional from the beginning. Jonathan, Jacob, and Joe yeah. show. <laughs> so, Jacob, are you still with us? I am. Okay, good. You're, you're a really good listener. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, sir. So, you've been now for there with Microsoft for a year, and that's kind of amazing. The day that you told me, you, you were already an extraordinary web developer and a good uh, manager from what I could tell. And you were mentoring many people. A while back, you had a, a YouTube channel. And you were on there almost every night? Well, so there, there were many things that kind of worked together. Whenever I uh, was there, you know, working with you gentlemen, I was also incredibly active on a website called Stack Overflow. It's kind of the place web developers and programmers from all different backgrounds and, you know, from all different types of fabrics come to ask questions and answer questions for the community. And so I was, you know, pretty active on there answering a lot of questions about jQuery, JavaScript, HTML, CSS, MySQL, um, PHP, basically everything that we'd be using on a day-to-day -day basis uh, in in our jobs there, jumped all the way up to the top, you know, seven tenths of a percent of top users on the site. 
uh, wound up becoming a moderator, which is another you know way in which you, you your name just kind of gets out there amongst the community. And then this eventually led to a position as a developer with a company called Append2, uh, which was born out of the jQuery project. So even if you're not a, a developer, you might have heard of jQuery, which is a JavaScript library that exists on, oh my goodness, you know, a massive amount of websites, a very large percentage. And uh, from there, we started, you know, at Append2, we had contracts with many large companies, one of which was Microsoft. And so Microsoft said, hey, we are developing Internet Explorer 10 and Windows 8, and we want to make sure that whenever we release this, the web just works on it. And so they, they worked with us at Append2, and I spent you know a few months just debugging websites, going you know, website to website. One of the websites was Nintendo.com, which is really cool, making sure this stuff would work in the next version of Internet Explorer, making sure that you know sound web development practices were being utilized. You know, one thing kind of led to another, and eventually my relationship with Microsoft was just growing stronger and stronger, making a lot of friendships. I became a, an Internet Explorer uh, MVP, so I was uh, nominated by a couple of the employees at Microsoft uh, for an MVP status. They sent me a real beautiful crystal and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, eventually the uh, a pin two was winding down. You know, this opportunity for Microsoft uh, was kind of winding up, and so I, I decided to come over here and kind of throw myself uh, wholly into the the world of web browsers. And I've been here since June of 2014. And since then, everything has changed for the the web development there at Microsoft, from what I've heard. I'm kind of kidding, but it's very interesting times for the web development. I don't know if you can tell us on the air what you were telling me and Jacob before we started recording. You know, it's pretty amazing what you got going on. So when we came here, my family and I have got myself, my wife, mother-in-law, two children and a dog. And we came up here and we, you know, I, I was excited because I knew that the next version of Windows was being developed. I knew that, you know, they're obviously always working on Microsoft's browser and that would be neat to try and help act as something of a conduit between Microsoft and the developer community, which I was very, you know, uh, active in. You know, we got up here and and we learned that Microsoft was developing a brand new browser, which was really exciting. And they needed Jonathan Sampson on it. <laughs> Not, well, I, I'm sure they could have used uh, any anyone, but I'm very fortunate that they, they called upon me, which was really nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, we had a, uh, when when I was up here just about a month or so, we did a Reddit AMA. So quite a few people, I'm sure, and the listeners of this audience are familiar with Reddit.com. And and on Reddit, you can do this Ask Me Anything type of uh, Q&A where we got, you know, maybe 30 or 40 engineers or something in total, quite a few of us uh, located in the, in the same room. You know, we we're going to go on Reddit and say, hey, we are the Internet Explorer team. We build IE, one of the most polarizing browsers in all of history. And uh, you can ask us anything you want. And before we did this, we were all briefed and we were told, listen, be honest with the community. If they ask you a question, be open, be transparent with them because they will sniff out frauds. You know, they said, if they ask you a question, just be straightforward. And somebody had asked us in the, the Q&A if we had ever considered renaming the browser. Mm. And I'm, I'm still very fresh at Microsoft at this point. And uh, I recalled seeing an email between just a couple individuals inside the company just brainstorming about what types of things we could do to change the perception of um, Internet Explorer because we've been doing loads and loads of technical work, standards adoption, making sure the browser just works more reliably. Uh, but there's still that negative perception whenever you say the word Internet Explorer. 
And so I, I answered the question, well, you know, I recalled seeing some people discussing this. Who knows what we will do in the future? The very next morning, my name and that quote is on CNN, like basically all these massive websites and news outlets. Oh, of course. And so it was really incredible to see just how quickly, you know, the, the game has changed. Now, I went from working there um, at, at Liberty Alliance. We had, I, I don't know, maybe a couple dozen people. Maybe, yeah. And, and you know, here we are a couple years later, and I just answer a question on Reddit of all places. And the next day, I'm an internationally quoted individual. It's really startling how influential Reddit really is now. Yeah. It's it's incredible. So J- Jacob, did you have any thoughts, questions? If you want to pick the mastermind, now is the the time to do it. <laughs> it's fascinating too, just thinking about how issues about the browser are so newsworthy now. It's the international news cares about what Internet Explorer is going to be named. Well, it's interesting because we spend as much time in our web browsers now as we do in our car, or as much time as we spend sleeping. Mm-hmm. So of course we care what they're what they're going to be named. They're part of our lives. One of the, it's the neat thing about computers in general, and this is something that I find very exciting as a web developer, is that a lot of the apps, a lot of the, the tasks and stuff that we are accustomed to doing on, on the machines that we keep in front of us, our phones or computers, a lot of that's moving into the browser itself. And so, you know, we have people that have created, you know, Photoshop clones type of software inside the browser itself. You know, a lot of the you know, media recording, you know, even video editing, that type of stuff is moving into the browser itself. And it's just absolutely phenomenal to see how incredible the browser itself is becoming because one of the things you can do with the browser that you can't do with the the computer is author a single set of bits. I can write JavaScript, for instance, and execute that same JavaScript on Windows as on Mac OS X or on my iPhone or on a Windows phone or an Android phone. It doesn't matter which device or which environment I'm in. They all kind of support that that common set of technology. And that's something that the browser gives us that native operating systems don't. And so there's a lot of focus moving in that area. So it it certainly makes sense why you know the the world at large would be interested about what developments are happening here. And so, you know, we, we announced that Project Spartan is the new browser. What, what's, what's that name again? Project Spartan. That's the code name that we <laughs> use internally here. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, they're, they're working on you know, the, the final name and stuff. But Project Spartan is uh, what we've been working on. And essentially what we decided was, you know, we're trying to serve two masters uh, with our web browser, something that no other browser really is doing uh, you know, in a similar way. We're trying to, one, cater to the enterprise, which moves very slowly. They invest millions and billions of dollars in software and intranet applications, and they need stuff to remain relatively unchanged so that their operations day-to-day are not affected. And at the same time, developers in the industry, you know, we're trying to move things forward. We want to add web audio and, and WebGL and all this type of stuff to the browser so that you know you can play Unreal inside your browser and you know, run the Unreal game engine and you can do video recording inside the browser. And so we decided, you know, the only way that we can really make this work is by creating a copy of the the engines that run uh, Internet Explorer and then just, you know, taking one of those, holding it aside for the enterprise, then taking the other one and just running with it for the industry and and making this thing far more interoperable with with the web today, uh, while at the same time maintaining this other one for the the enterprise so that, you know, we're, we're not neglecting any one of these two parties that we're trying to take care of. 
And uh, it's it's incredibly rewarding. It's very exciting. You know, it's a very humbling experience to get to work on something like this and 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 know that literally hundreds of millions of people are are being impacted uh, through these efforts. And it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Why does Internet Explorer have a bad rap now? How much of that is myth? How much of that is legitimate? Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's it, it's pretty incredible. You know, back in the '90s, whenever I first got started developing websites, um, you had Netscape and you had Internet Explorer. Internet Explorer kind of came out around '94, '95, and so Netscape predated them a little bit, and it was the, the most popular browser that everyone was using. And then, of course, Internet Explorer comes out, and it's got the wave of Windows adoption, uh, you know, with it. And of course, it just goes crazy. Everyone loves it. It gets massive, massive market share. And you start to have this really incredible competition between the, the dominant browsers at the time. And so Internet Explorer is is doing fairly well. There, there's not a whole lot of standards at this time. So there's not a whole lot of agreement uh, between the browsers, how things really ought to be done. So you would have you know, Netscape implement a, a new feature that won't be inside Internet Explorer. Then you'd have Internet Explorer implement a new feature that won't be inside Netscape. And this led to things like uh, little buttons on web pages that said best viewed in Internet Explorer 3.0 or 4.0. And so you would wind up having this really divergent web that didn't work for everybody. If you came to my website, you had to come to my website using my browser of choice right. to get the, the, the correct experience. And that's just not at all uh, what we really want to see. And so Microsoft uh, kind of won the Internet and then around version 6 you know, hung up their hat and, and that was it. And for many years, nothing really happened. And, and in this, this vacuum of uh, inactivity, to some degree, you have Firefox and Chrome kind of exploding and coming out and, and just taking over like just crazy, growing really rapidly. Around Internet Explorer 8, you know, we, we kind of realized, okay, this is a serious, like, we, we, if we're going to be in this space, we really need to take it very serious and, and compete. And so around in Explorer 8 or so, uh, we started adopting standards that have been agreed upon by other browsers. Uh, CSS 2.1, for anyone who's familiar with that, essentially, you know, adopting a core set of expectations for what uh, styling uh, syntax should yield on your page. And so we had amazing adoption of CSS 2.1. The HTML parser, so the way in which the browser would look at code and interpret it, uh, we started moving towards a, a common set of uh, agreements between browsers over how they would interpret, you know, certain invalid code, and this led to you know better interop between the browsers. And so around Internet Explorer nine or so, Internet Explorer had caught up with the other browsers, and it was a modern browser with you know uh, respect for the word. But there was already this kind of bad taste left in the developers' mouths because they had worked with 6, which was relatively in stasis for many years, and then 7 was a little bit better. 8 was a little bit better as well. But they just kind of got this idea that, well, IE is just so lethargic and it doesn't move as quickly. But around 9, 10, and 11, if you you know really go back and you you look at what it is you're trying to accomplish, you'll realize that 9, 10, 11, you know, we really have a, a radically different browser. and uh, you know, today we've got uh, this new engine. We split off of the old engine and, and made Edge HTML, and uh, it is just night and day difference. We have literally tens of thousands of you know new commits and thousands of interop changes just to make our new browser, Project Spartan, 
run the web the way in which other browsers do. And so, you know, the web should just work for everybody the way it is. And we shouldn't have this um, polarity in experiences between various browsers. I couldn't agree more. Is Project Spartan a, a ground up effort or is it a is it a branch of IE what's what's the latest 11? What's the starting point for Project Spartan? So we took the the engines there's two major engines inside IE you have the rendering engine which was uh, called Trident and then we have the Chakra JavaScript engine and work has been uh, you know happening in the Chakra space we actually have you know for for anyone who knows what ECMAScript is um, our adoption of modern standards ES6 Harmony is is you know blowing away the competition. Nobody leads us in that space right now, which is really incredible. Uh, but the the Trident engine, we made a copy of this, and then we kind of changed its uh, ID a little bit. So there's a thing called the user agent string, which identifies which browser a user is using. So if I come to your website and I'm using Internet Explorer, you'll get a token that says this user is on Internet Explorer. If I come using Chrome, you'll get that token that says this user is on Chrome. What we did is we took Trident, we made a copy of it, and then we said, okay, Trident, new Trident, Trident version 2, identify yourself as Google Chrome and go out onto the web and see what happens. So we did this, and we realized that, wow, it's really frightening out there. <laughs> but, you know, we, All of the developers who have invested so much time in you know, create an experience that has, uh, you know, special conditions where it will send, you know, a, a particular file down to IE and a different file down to Chrome. We were now getting Chrome's code and we would get Firefox's code and we would identify, you know, features that were expected to be in the browser but weren't there. Uh, one of them, I guess, just a, an example is, you know, just like when IE had ran the web in the 90s, and Netscape was trying to play catch-up, so too iOS and, and Windows Phone has run the, the mobile web since the iPhone came out. And so when we look at the, uh, the web of the 90s, it was you know IE-specific code. We look at the mobile web today, it's very much WebKit-specific code. WebKit is the engine that is inside Chrome and Safari and that type of stuff. You know, here we are at Microsoft, and we're looking at this web that is built for a totally different browser, not our browser. And we now have to identify basically all of these areas in which we're lacking and in which we're behind and start to add features. And so we've added, you know, dozens and dozens of brand new features to make up for these these areas in which there's a gap between uh, what the web expects the browser to be capable of and what our browser was actually capable of. Right. Smoothing this out and we've just seen a, a massive positive feedback whenever people are actually playing with Project Spartan. And the great thing that we did as well, we constructed this architecture which allows you to run it from basically any operating system for the most part. So if you're on iOS, if you're on Mac OS X, Yay. you can run this. It's, it's streaming the browser, so it's not running directly off the OS, but you can run it seamlessly uh, through a proxy server uh, through our Azure uh, web services and it looks like any other application on your desktop, and it actually lets people experiment with the Edge HTML rendering engine before we even you know, finish this thing. So they're watching it in development and testing it, which is really incredible. So my more purest Mac friends will probably be offended by the next question, but I'd be really excited about running this browser. Is it going to be 
an official Mac app at any point in the future? Or is that not a thing? What's that going to look like? At the moment, it's using a, a particular technology that's going to be available to Windows 10. And so I don't see it running on Mac natively anytime soon. Uh, but, you know, that is uh, one, one of the things that we did is, and this is obviously a, a decision that is way above my pay grade, but one of the things we did do is we launched a user voice site so that people could vote on what they would like us to do with the browser. And so if you go to uservoice.modern.ie, you can actually see what suggestions people have made and you know, where they've cast their votes uh, and told us which direction we should go. And so I'm, you know, I'm sure there's probably a request on there for this to run on Mac, uh, but we just haven't seen people saying, hey, I want IE or... Uh, whatever browser replaces IE to run natively on Mac. Usually what we see in the developer community is uh, people saying, hey, I want to be able to test from my Mac. Okay, yeah. And so that was you know, much easier for us to satisfy. And so we we constructed this uh, remote.modern.ie. Now that's the URL, remote.modern.ie, which allows people to test uh, you know, without having to leave their Mac. They can test uh, the Edge HTML engine directly from their desktop. That's satisfied pretty much the majority of requests that we've had from the Mac community. In thinking about the future of technology, you have another, what do you, what do you say, a mentoree? You're a mentor. A protege. Protege, there we go. You have another little protege. And I remember when we were working together, you bought him a book called My HTML or... Well, HTML for babies. <laughs> HTML for babies. And how, he was all of two at this point, right? He was, I actually, you know what? I think he might have been younger than that. Maybe just a little over one years old. We're, we're of course, talking about my son, uh, John Anthony, and, and he just turned five. And, uh, you know, we, we did purchase that book, uh, HTML for Babies. It, I really like the idea, but as a, a, a professional web developer, the, the markup was so horribly <laughs> invalid. It, it, would, it would not, <laughs> this just, it wouldn't work. But it was very colorful and big, and he enjoyed it. And it's it was more of a chew toy than, than anything else. But you know, today now that he's five, he's he's really wanting to learn this stuff, and he's wanting to learn JavaScript and everything. And so it's it's exciting to know that I get to pass this on to my son. You know, yeah. this is a this is a, a real game changer this day and age. You know, if you're in the IT industry, you know, you've got special privileges that are being afforded to you that you know I certainly didn't have when I was younger. And so it's it's an incredible industry to be in. The closest I've got to sharing anything that I've learned over the years was my daughter came to me one day and said, hey, can you show me what you do? And she was five at the time. And I was like, yeah, sure. So I had Photoshop open and we took 30 minutes to tinker with, you know, what you can do with the paintbrush and correcting this and that in a picture. And she says, can you make something for me? She got really excited. And I was like, sure, sure. This this was around Christmas. And I was like, so what do you want? And she says, I want a picture of Superman with a Christmas tree. We scrounged up a, a a comic picture of Superman flying through the air and he's, he's got a big grin and, and we took him into Photoshop. And what we did is we, we, we put the Christmas tree behind him. Like it was falling through the sky per my daughter's request. And, you know, it's big blue sky and falling Christmas tree and Superman in front, you know, flying away from the tree. Like, Oh, I changed his expression. So yeah, that, that was the one adventure that we had working in uh, dad's field together in Photoshop. <laughs> you know, one of the things uh, I, I've done with John Anthony as well is, you know, I've, I've opened up the browser um, in pretty much any modern web browser today. If you press the F12 key or, you know, command shift C inside Chrome and 
Uh, there's a, a short key, you know, series of keystrokes to pull this up, but it's your developer tools. And in there is a, a console where you can just put in arbitrary expressions and and uh, stuff like that. And so I've opened this up for him, and I've showed him that you can put five plus five inside there, and you can see the answer, and and you can do some basic arithmetic. And mm. this has gotten him really excited because it's it's kind of like the first time. I don't know if you guys remember like your first calculator. Oh yeah, you just want to sit there and just add numbers up all day. Yeah, and uh, there's always like the kid in class that wants to try and find some way to spell some profane word with it. <laughs> so, you know, it's just it was a lot of fun for him to see that you can really, you know, a, a computer can supplement your own abilities, and uh, technology can be a really beautiful tool, uh, you know, when used properly. And it's it's been a real, you know, just joy watching him embrace this. I think in general, we really underestimate how much little kids can grasp and really do at a tiny age. Yeah, yeah. And so, so far, what we have been talking about, guys, has been uh, everything you do from day to day, Jonathan, on the web browsers, your projects. Fascinating, tremendous. Another thing I wanted to talk about, you know, work life at Microsoft. I would love to know a little bit more. What was it like the first day going into Microsoft all these years? You had been working for much smaller businesses. And uh, so you, I'm, I'm sure you got to meet some of your heroes. Then from there, work alongside of them, you know, and over in the next office or whatever. So what has it been like corporately uh, to to join the team? I imagine you've had some adventures there. And like you said, you do some public speaking engagements for Microsoft alongside of them? Yeah, so, you know, we came up here, obviously, um, like I said, in June of last year, 2014. And first day, first couple of days is NEO, which is a new employer orientation. Um, and so you, you get in there, you kind of get a feel for what the Microsoft culture is like. And it's, it's really a tough thing to uh, embody in, in just a single, you know, statement because Microsoft is such a diverse culture. There's so you know many different radically uh, distinct products and and services that we build and maintain here. And I was going into the operating systems group, and you know more specifically the web browser, essentially. So we're on the web platform team, and we work on the the core you know technologies, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript and stuff. And so I had a couple of days of new employee orientation before I actually got to go to my office. You know, this was during a time of uh, several transitions here at Microsoft. They were actually changing buildings. They were moving us from one side of the massive campus all the way over to the other side of the campus. They were going from, you know, individual office spaces to an open space uh, layout. And so it, it's been, you know, absolutely incredible. It's a, it's a huge place. Um, it's something that I try to capture regularly. I have my own Twitter account, you know, at Jonathan Sampson. But as I walked around the campus here, there's so many beautiful, you know, sights and sounds and everything. There's waterfalls on campus. There's just an immense amount of green everywhere you go. And so I started taking pictures of it everywhere I'd go because it's just, it's so hard to take it all in. I created a new Twitter account called, you know, at Microsoft Photos. And it's an unofficial account. This is just something I wanted to do. And so now I I tweet out little videos of, you know, I'll, I'll be next to a pond or a fountain and there's a duck sleeping or something. The other day I, I watched, you know, probably half a dozen rabbits chasing each other around. Oh. But it, it's just, it's fantastic because, you know, I work on the, the IE team, but I can walk outside, walk down the road, and I'm inside the Xbox building where there are <laughs> six and a half foot tall Spartan soldiers. <laughs> you know, I can then walk out of there and walk over to another building you know, in with a totally different uh, group of experts and, you know, really famous people. 
you know, massive influencers in this industry. And they're just all right here, you know, thrown together one big happy family. It's a incredibly diverse group. So, you know, here at Microsoft, it's you've got individuals representing every nation and tongue under the sky, which is just, you know, it's just fantastic. It's really, really great. You know, the, the weather is not as bad as everyone thinks it is either. I've been Seattle and stuff. It's, we actually get a lot of sunshine. Really? Um, although there is a, a Twitter account called Angry Seattle, I believe, that if you talk about how beautiful the weather is up here, you'll get corrected or, or scolded <laughs> on Twitter, you know, telling them, like, you know, don't tell people that. <laughs> Keep this a secret. <laughs> you know, otherwise people will want to come up here and everything. So it's... It's a pretty fantastic place. And, and Nintendo's right next door. So it's like you know, every kid's dream from the 80s. There's this <laughs> Nintendo building right there, which is pretty fantastic. You were telling me the other day that the Nintendo building just looks like a, a huge classic NES just situated there. Not literally, but it just that it reminds you of it. Yeah, it's, it's the, the very plain exterior. You know, this is... As my wife was saying, she's like, I would have expected like a forty foot tall marble, you know, statue of Mario or something. And it's like <laughs> that would be that would be cool. That's something that struck me about many of the technology businesses I've visited in San Francisco. Very unassuming. The outside grounds of the Pixar studio, uh, I visited them, and it, it, it is impressive. But by no means does it instantly make you think, oh, that's Pixar Animation Studios. It's you know, it's it's rather unassuming and. Uh, you you could easily mistake it for just being something else, like a college university campus. Yeah, that's Microsoft kind of has that university feel. So we have the commons. I mean, we even kind of adopt the the terminology a little bit. We have the commons where everyone goes for food and for you know relaxation and playing you know soccer and basketball. We have a, a beach, a little beach volleyball area set up as well. They do you know movies in the field and stuff. So they'll set up a, a projection. And just play, I think the last one that they were going to play was, uh, I don't know if it was Happy Feet or something like that. But you know, they're playing these movies for just families to get together. It's an incredibly family-oriented place. It's been one of the things that we've really enjoyed. Hmm. It's because we're moving up to a new area. We don't know anybody. We don't have any friends. Uh, we're towards the end of uh, you know October. And you know pumpkins are all over the place. Microsoft essentially just had boxes and boxes of pumpkins that were just getting out for free to anybody. You can come up here get a ride on like a pony's back and, you know, go through a building. They have tons of photographers that were, you know, take your picture with your family and everything. And then they'll have you know, these pictures printed out for you. It's just, it's a really exciting, uh, energetic place. And it, it's been an absolute pleasure and joy, you know, working up here for the last year. I'm looking at your Microsoft photos account and there's this awesome photograph of, I would encourage folks to look at this. This is really neat. There's this awesome photograph of looks like it's a window Either that or a set of four panels saying Xbox One, I made this, and hundreds of signatures. Yeah, so that's actually a, um, that's probably six feet tall or so, uh, and it's inside the Xbox building. And, and as you're saying, it's the Xbox you know, launch team from 2013, and I I doubt they have everyone's signature on there, but there are hundreds, if not thousands, of signatures on this thing. It's incredible. Yeah, the people who played a part in, in shipping this, you know, massive project. I saw that there are some uh, uh, Halo related games now in the iOS App Store. Do you know anything about that? It's Microsoft as a whole has really been developing a lot of you know iOS applications, and so you can get a lot of the Office applications on there. Right, I know a lot of people that are very happy with the Microsoft Outlook now for iOS. Yeah, it's it's incredible because at times 
the iOS version of the app is better than the Windows Phone version of the app. It's it's neat to see. You know, this is kind of shattering people's expectations of of how Microsoft and and Apple ought to be interacting with one another. And it, it's really neat to see Microsoft in in you know investing and developing software. You know, for the the iPhone, I, I personally have an iPhone, and last night I just downloaded some PowerPoint utilities and stuff, so I can manage my slides while I'm doing presentations from my phone itself. And mm-hmm. it's uh, I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I, I know we have games in there. Spartan uh, Assault, I think, is one of them. Mm-hmm. It's pretty incredible. My son actually plays that one on the on the iPad and uh, loves it. One other question I had for you pertaining to Microsoft before we wrap up is: now that you're doing some speaking engagements. Does that mean you are traveling for the company while you work? And is that going to be become more of a regular thing? And how do you like it? So the the first speaking engagement was last year. Um, I went to uh, Brazil to do a presentation at the Brazil JS, a JavaScript uh, conference. And so um, my wife happens to be Brazilian. So we, we speak Portuguese in our household. And I've been speaking Portuguese since 2000, 2001. And so it was really nice that, you know, this was the, the first opportunity to present itself last year whenever I joined Microsoft. And um, so I went down there, had a fantastic time, you know, uh, everything went really well and, and came back here to the States and decided that, you know, this is this is really fun. Like, I, I like going and talking to engineers and developers about, you know, our shared interests in this industry and, and what it is we're doing in this space. And, um, and so I'll be speaking uh, in, you know, next month on the 15th. Uh, in Portland, Oregon, at a conference called Web Visions, and I'll be talking about you know the the road to Project Spartan and the new browser we're about to ship and and what that process looked like. Realizing that we need to do this all the way through to the the final execution and putting this into the Windows 10 build as the default browser, and uh, it's been absolutely fantastic. It, it kind of falls in naturally with the things that I've really been doing. Um, you know, I started teaching web development immediately as I, I started learning it in high school, uh, I, I gave a high school uh, teacher some some credit on Twitter because um, Mr. Johnston was our, our business communications teacher. And uh, as I started learning web development, he said, hey, would you like to teach this to your peers? And it was a neat opportunity, the first time I'd ever done anything like that. But it was so much fun. And so, you know, as I went on to work uh, for a small nonprofit in Florida, you know, was an opportunity there to teach web development to a you know a dozen or so children, and uh, you know I've been doing this as much as I possibly could, and and so it's nice to see that trend continue here in my capacity at Microsoft. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, this has been a very rich episode. I, I love your stories, Jonathan. We we've had good ones, and we'll have to have you back on the show because believe it or not, everybody, we didn't even get to the main topic for our discussion on episode four. But this was something in the outline, and we needed to cover these bases because Jonathan is just that awesome. They should name the next web browser Jonathan or Samson. I'd be happy. That's what they really should do. I'm just an ideas guy. <laughs> I really appreciate it. It's been a blast talking with you guys. We'll have you back. We'll get to the main topic. We'll save it for when we can as it pertains to uh, family matters, technology, kids, and uh, family sharing, and also several of the concerns with culture. Uh, I know that Jacob, you were feeling a little uh, unprepared, uh, <laughs> which is understandable. Uh, you know, Jacob is is not married at this time. You don't have children, but you were a child once. I was. So I said from I that angle, you had lots of experience. Well, yes, I, I did have some experience, but I'm kind of like uh, Samson, where I, I I got into it. I think my first computer was at 16. So 
That was 2004. <laughs> 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 was, Why, was yeah, I think, I think when you and I met, you were largely interested in photography after doing some, you know, dabbling in architecture. Oh, yeah. Jacob, we'll have to have you back for a photography episode. I should have thought of that. <laughs> when no, yeah, when when I first uh, came on at Liberty Alliance, I was more recently focused on delving into web design. That had not really taken over as my primary. All right, well, guys, can we wrap it up? Yeah, yeah, it's been been wonderful. Thank you, gentlemen. Starting with you, Jonathan, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Jonathan Sampson. That's where everything goes down. And Jacob, where are you on the internet? Twitter is a great place. Twitter handle is Captain Destructo, spelled a little differently, C-A-P-T-N Destructo. And I'm I'm underscore Joe Darnell on Twitter. You can find me there. I also write at tectonic.fm, of course. So yeah, this completes episode four for Tectonic. Visit tectonic.fm slash four for the show notes and the links of this episode. If you want to connect with us, we are at Tectonic on Twitter. So if you, that is, if you want to interact with the podcast itself, uh, give a shout out to Joshua and let him know that you missed him. And send your feedback via email to hello at tectonic.fm. If you just want to say hi, give us some comments, feedback, you know, tell us why we're doing it all wrong. You know, send that and I'll have Joshua read that while he's got to do something, you know, because he's got to make up for his time, not on the show. And, and if you want to help us out, Please give your star rating on the show in iTunes. And if you want to help us out a little bit more, you can even leave a review there. So you, you, not a lot of people know this, but you can leave a star rating if you just want to be in and out very quickly. And that's okay. We'll accept them all. Uh, but if you want to take a little bit more time and give some positive or interesting feedback, let the other potential listeners know what you think of the show. That's interesting. And it helps others to find the show. So uh, that's it, guys. Thank you so much. I am Joe Darnell. Thank you for listening.